Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. All right. We ready for some word? This is a supernatural word. Because I actually got it Friday and not 20 minutes before service. So I'm excited about this. All right, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. God showed me this a couple weeks ago at the rehab center, but then he started to open it even, even deeper and brought forth just some, some deeper revelation. On it, so I'm excited to, to release it. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. It's going to be on this ginormous Bible behind me as well. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 says this. <clears throat> but it came to pass that when Senballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and says, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and he said, even they that which build the wall, if, they, if a fox goes up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Meaning that even if they build it, it's going to crumble regardless. Verse 4, hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their inequity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, verse 6, so we built the wall, listen to that, so we built the wall. And the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Amen. This morning, by the authority of the kingdom of God, I'm going to preach a message called His Grace to Build. All right? His Grace to Build. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this word, Lord God. I thank you for your presence that has, it, it, your presence has consumed our atmosphere. And I thank you that heaven has touched us. And so now, Lord God, even as we're in that cloud of glory, may your voice echo in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and in our spirits to hear the word of the Lord. Father, I ask for the unction and the utterance of the Holy Spirit of God to release this word according to your power and not my own ability. I will give you praise. I will give you glory. And Father, may we take this word, may we take this utterance and walk out of this place with boldness and with authority demonstrate the kingdom of God, and we honor you for it in Jesus' name, and the church said. All right, so obviously here, so Nehemiah was a Jew that was exiled. When you start getting into the book of, 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 of Nehemiah, he was, he was under King Darius, Darius the Mede. So the Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem. Remember, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied for years and years 
in years, saying, this says the Lord, you have forsaken me, you have forsaken my covenant, and there, if you continue, there will be an army that will come that will sweep you away, okay? So all of this has happened. They've gone out to Babylon, and if you remember the prophet Daniel, I believe it's in Daniel chapter 9, it says, it's where we get the Daniel fast, the 21 days. It says, and I, Daniel, set my face to seek the Lord according to the prophecy of Jeremiah, which is Jeremiah prophesied. He says, 70 years you will be in captivity. Something that I love is the Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, we've got it on t-shirts, we've got it on posters. It says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, uh, plans to prosper you, to give you an expected end, right? We all know that verse so well. Well, verse 10 says, 70 years you will be in captivity. See, that's the God that we serve. He said, you've disobeyed, you're going to go in captivity But Jerusalem isn't where my throne sits. My throne sits in the hearts of people. So whether you're in captivity, even if you are in captivity, I know the thoughts and plans I think towards you, says the Lord. So even in captivity, his word bound them together. So now all of a sudden, Babylon has been defeated. In one night, remember the writing on the wall came in, the Medes and the Persians came in, so now Darius... Is, 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 is a man now that is the king over the kingdom, and Nehemiah served him, and it says that he was weeping for Jerusalem, and the king was saying, what's, what's going on? And he's like, man, my city is in ruins. So then the king sends Nehemiah along with men that are of Israel in captivity, and they said, go and build the wall. Gave him provision. So now here's where we're at. They're building the wall. They're executing the plan of God. God is with them. But guess what? Anytime you're going to do something from God, you're going to run across some sand ballots. You're going to run across some Tobias. That they're like, this is what you're doing. He heard that they builded the wall. And he was mad, great indignation, and he mocked the Jews. Listen, builded in the Hebrew is to build. To begin to, but look at this, to obtain children, to make repair. See, there's things that we're doing right now in our lives that we think that God is almost in a punishment stage, but what he's teaching us is, listen, if you build this, you're birthing generations to come that will follow me. See, everything with the kingdom of God is about generations. Apostle Hall says, we don't, or, or, or Matthew says it a lot, he says, we, we don't raise kids, we raise adults. Because at some point they're going to be adults. And some of the kids I see need to be whipped like they were adults. Amen. But this is something I want you to gather. Listen to this. He spake before his brethren, are they going to fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will make the end of the days? They will revive, listen to this, revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish that were burned. You know why the wall was heaps of rubbish that were burned? Because they sinned. The wall is destroyed because they forsook God. God has asked them to build a wall that they tore down. That sound familiar? You know how many times 
I've gone to places, and I said, God, this, this needs repair. Man, God, this is, all, this is all broken down. Man, this is rubbish. This is heaps. It looks like it's been burned. He says, yeah, you did that back in 2008. See, we think that God just, God gives us new destiny. He gives us new life. We get saved and everything is new and everything is awesome. But then we look back at the broken walls of our lives and we want to forget those. But God says, no, let's go rebuild those. Because this isn't just about me. I'm not building just for me. I can't go back and build my wall of addiction, of sexual immorality, of anger, of rage, of violence, of alcohol. I can't rebuild these just to make me look good. I'm rebuilding these so Ezekiel says, I don't need it because I've got Jehovah. We're building for somebody that's greater than us. If we ever come to a place in this church that we actually build a building... I have set it forth and declared it that I will not be the one who preaches the first service because I don't build buildings for me. I build them for the generations to come. A son of this house will preach that first one. And you know what Pastor John and I are going to do? We're going to (laughs) go, come on, boy, preach. What's God asking you to go back and build up? He's telling you to build up things for generations. You were the one who tore it down. We're the ones who tear this stuff down. But God in his grace, God in his mercy doesn't just say, oh, just just forget that. Because he can do that because he's a creator. The enemy cannot create anything. That's why his same plans are always the same. And that's why... The Apostle Paul says, let Satan have an advantage because we're not ignorant of his devices. If we seek the Lord, we will know how the enemy will attack. How much more so if we go back to the places of ruins, the rubbles of burned down walls, and we start building them up. Why? Because somebody else is going to walk in that wall. This is what it's all about. After all of that, He he says, hear, O our God. In the end, the enemy is attacking. The enemy is ridiculing you. The enemy is telling you you're not enough. He's saying you'll never get out of it. This is always where you're going to be. And what do you do? You kneel down in the secret place and say, hear, O our God. It all comes back down to intimacy. It all comes back down to the place that we go back before a God of grace, a God of mercy, but also a God of power, also a God of authority, who's the only one who can say, I object to that claim against Patrick because I have said otherwise of him. Church, what walls is God asking us to rebuild? Not for us but for people that are going to come, for families that are going to come. Maybe you have a lifeline, a, a generational curse in your family of whatever it is. God is saying, I can use one generation to go back and rebuild the walls that thousands of generations tore down, but one comes and says, I'll go back and build the walls. They said Nehemiah was a young man. 
So maybe he wasn't even around the time of Jeremiah. But he connected it with people. And that's what I'm saying. That's what this pastoral team, that's what we're here for. We are not here just to rebuild our walls. But we are here to stand beside you. And we will help you rebuild your walls. Patrick, you don't understand. No, 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 no. You don't understand. We know what it's like to have crumbled walls. We know what it's like. Our, our team knows what it's like to be wounded, to be scarred, to be beat down. But we also know how to worship. We also know that with a knife in our back, our hands still go up. Because he's still worthy. So we are here not to have a church, not to put out church signs, but we're here to step beside you, before you, behind you, to walk with you in whatever wall that you yourself destroyed, we're here to help you fix it. Why? Because there's generations inside you. There's generations inside you that we're holding up. Because surely what's before me ain't all of it. So what do you do? What do you do when the enemy is coming against you? And I'll tell you what, man, enemy attacks just as much in church as he does anywhere else. I was more attacked in the house of God than I was when I was going in, in, in the, the clubs and the bars. It's like when I gave my life to Christ for real, you know, because I went to church, lifted up my hands. I was in it to win it. But I'm talking about... When, he, when I didn't just need a Savior, but I needed him to be my Lord. Where I needed him to be my master. And I gave him that seat because I had to step down. That's when things started shifting for me. And I realized, man, there is an enemy. Because I could hear his voice very clearly then. And he came and he attacked me. So what do you do? You go to verse 6. So we built the wall. Tobiah. Sandballot, armies, ridicule, lies. Church people will tell you about the walls that you burned down in your life decades ago. That's just the reality of it. But what do you do? I'm going to build the wall anyway because the one who saved me, cleansed me, purified me, he's the one that told me to build. He's the one that told me to prepare it for generations. So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together, and the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. In verse 6, the, the Greek word, or the Hebrew word together, listen to this, to tie physically, to gird, to confine, mentally, in love, to bind, to conspire, to put it together, stronger work, meaning you don't do this alone. We're here to bind people together. When you go deeper in the book, it says this one built the stones, this one stood with the sword. I can't ask you to rebuild a wall if I don't offer you protection to help build it. This is something we've got to do together. I'm not asking you to call me pastor. I'm just saying, man, if you need a partner, we can do this. 
Because nothing in the kingdom of God is to be done alone. We need each other, whether you want it or not. We need each other. That's why you need a local church. Because you can watch as many big-time preachers on TV, but they ain't coming into your hospital room. Sometimes I need Pastor John to anoint me with oil. He anoints me with oil, and Pastor Megan lays hands. Just depends. Just depends. And we praise Jesus for it. Because we do this together. Because just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm not accountable to nobody. But sometimes we're going to need somebody to say, man, my, my child is battling suicide. Is there anybody in the church? Yeah, I battled it too. Some others on the pastoral team, yeah, we battled it too. And it's another giant's head in our hands that Jesus Christ has obliterated for his glory. We've got to do this thing together. We've got to combine. We've got to come together. Now everybody go to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 2. But we built the wall and the wall was joined together. Because we're building for generations, but we've got to do it together. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. When you're there, just shout amen. <clears throat> Wherefore? Laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Wow. Thank you for the encouragement, Pistol Pete. You know what, you know what breaks down walls? You know what burns down walls? Malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings. But guess what? Next verse, chapter 2, as newborn babes, because the king came down and now we're born again. Now there's new destiny. Now I'm not part of this world, I'm not part of this kingdom, but I have been translated into a different kingdom. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Verse 3. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Malice, guile, envy, hypocrisies, all those things do not move God because when you taste of him, you see he's gracious. I love this. Gracious in the Greek. Employed. That is useful in a manner or morals. Better, easy, good. He's gracious and he's kind. Here's the power of this. This is the same Greek word that's used in Romans 2.4 that says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. We talk about the prodigal son. He had his story lined up. He had everything good. He had a heart change. 
Something changed in his heart. But he rehearsed it. He talked about it. He came to the Father, and he bowed down and said, Dad, I have sinned against God. I have sinned against you. And the dad embraced him. The Father wants to hug you even before your full repentance. And Pastor Bo in, in Missouri said this one time. The boy said, I am not worthy to be your son Allow me to be your servant. The father steps in who embraced him. He spoke to the servant and says, get my boy a robe. We're asking to be servants. And the father speaks to the servant and says, get my boy what he deserves. He doesn't deserve it, but the father still gives it. The Lord is so gracious. Why? Because we tore down our walls. We tore them down through envy, through malice, through hypocrisy, through all these things. We tore down our walls. We broke down our church demeanor. We broke all these things down, but the Lord is gracious. The word is that he's given us grace to build. Because there's never been one wall that the Lord asked me to go and build up that I didn't need his grace for. You will never feel so unqualified when you're picking up the burned wall that's been burned. Because something enters your heart and you pick up these stones and go, man, it takes you back to when you sat there and you kicked down the wall of relationship. You set on fire the love that he gave you abundantly. And you're rebuilding this wall that you kicked down. But he wants to tell you, says, listen, I didn't send you back to build this to guilt you. I wanted to show you that I'm gracious. That I want to make you whole. He's gracious. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Listen, you can preach hell as hot as you want, but unless you tell them they don't have to go there, that's good news. At least it was for me. Because when you're bound in cocaine addiction, over days, every day, every day, living on mayonnaise sandwiches to make sure you have enough money to buy the drugs, day after day after day after day, when the Holy Spirit came to me, he didn't say, you filthy cokehead, don't you want out of that? He says, man, I've got something good for you. Because when you binge on cocaine for day after day after day after day, and you want to end your life, and somebody whispers who is worthy in heaven, in earth, and below the earth, and he doesn't tell you that you're filthy, but he says, I can make you clean. You realize that your God is gracious. So part of my rebuilding my wall is the first Tuesday of every month, I go back to the rehab with brick and with mortar and Holy Ghost fire. I go to build walls again. Well, Patrick, I don't want that. Oh, but we're going to need that. That wall's irreplaceable. No, 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 no. It's his goodness that leads to repentance. He's gracious. Through all the malice, envy, all those things, Peter just tells you straight. 
Now remember, this is Peter who rebukes Jesus. Right? Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. I'll be betrayed by evil men. Now I'll raise the third day. Peter went, you hold it. You don't say that. Jesus replies, get behind me, Satan. This is Peter. If anybody knows that God is gracious, it's Peter. Mary, I go on to my, my brethren in Galilee. Tell all of them and tell Peter. Winchester is doing the archives, old messages that Apostle Hall has preached. Everybody, your homework assignment is go back and listen to the rescue of Peter. My God. You'll realize that your God is gracious to rebuild the walls that you tore down, but he's doing it that your children will run and dance on top of the wall that you rebuilt. My children walk on the walls that God graciously allowed me to go and rebuild. Because God gives us grace to build. He gives it to us. But it starts off as newborn babes, desiring the word, growing. And if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Verse 4, to whom coming as unto living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Meaning what Tobiah and Sanballat say, it does not compare to what he says. Because the world will try to qualify you, the church will try to qualify you on whether you have the ability, the talents, or the knowledge to rebuild walls. But we rebuild them. Why? Because God is gracious. We rebuild because he teaches us how to do it. Church, when's the last time you went back and started rebuilding some of your walls? Maybe it's, maybe it's abuse. That parts of your heart were torn down. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, any kind. I've seen it over and over and over. Most of the times, drug addiction is a symptom of a far, far greater, deeper hurt. But we serve the God that, the, that he lays the axe head to the root of the tree. He ain't just plucking out rotten fruit. He wants to know what's producing from within. That's why he sends us back to rebuild walls. Because what's the point of being a new creation if half of your life you were still broken? Now we come on living stones. <clears throat> Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Chosen means favorite. This verse has gotten me into trouble because I've told my enemies to their face. I said, man, I'm God's favorite. I'm just his favorite. I don't know why, but Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So my qualification does not come from the men that disallow me. It comes from the God who selected me. Who, by implication, is I'm his favorite. Now listen to this. <clears throat> he didn't just stop there. He didn't just say that he chose you. He didn't just say that you were his favorite. But Peter says, and precious. It means valued. 
more honorable, listen to this, precious in reputation. I had a reputation of being a certain way. And half of Orlando, Florida, and half of my high school, they still don't get it. But it was our 20-year anniversary. I had at least five people reach out to me and says, man, why don't you come down to the reunion and just preach? Some have disallowed me, but the Father chose me. Not only that, but he values me. I don't know why. I don't know why he does. Because I'm so broken. I've knocked down so many walls. But he still, he still steps in. And says, I'm not only going to ask you to build this wall again. But I'm going to cause you to be a living stone in it. Because now, he that was dead is rose again. Now I that was dead am newborn. So now I become a living stone because the living one, his hands are upon me. We have grace to build. Why? Because he builds it with us. He is the one that is gracious. He's the one that chose us as favorites. He's the one that says you're honorable, you're precious, even in reputation. Ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now, as Paji would say, I'm not living in the outer court. I reluctantly walk in into the gate and I offer up my praise. And something so much deeper is calling me even deeper. Because now I can't just stay in the inner court. I've got to go past the brazen altar. And I've got to walk into the holy place where the candlestick and the table of shoe bread and the altar of incense is there. And it's in that place when I see the light of God, where I see the sufficiency of Christ as the bread of life. And I see the, the incense arising as the sacrifice of worship that Jesus Christ gave by fire to him. Something in there makes me bow down, but yet something else grabs me and says, because I'm a God of grace, I want you to come deeper. And I walk into the holiest of holies, not as a man, but now as a holy priesthood. Gosh, I miss Pudge. Gosh, I miss him. He taught me to be worthy when everything else in my life dictated that I wasn't. Because he said, son, he made you the holy priesthood. And no matter what is going on, no matter how bad the wall is destroyed, my son, go into the secret place. Go into the holiest of holies. Verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained, 
Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Jesus was laid as a stone, and it says, they, it, says it made people trip, it made people hurt, but yet it was something that made people come alive. Jesus was willing to be stepped upon because only through his sacrifice was grace given for us to rebuild walls that we tore down. That's who we step into, church. <clears throat> That's who we have become. Remember verse 4, to whom, to whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Everything we're doing is to build something up. When it says to build up there in the Greek, it's to be a house builder. That is to construct, listen to this, to confirm, to build, to edify, embolden. So literally part of building up when it comes to the cross of Jesus Christ is to edify the body. What's the purpose of the fivefold? It's not to be called an apostle. It's not to be called a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. It's to edify the body of Christ. So we all reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. Our purpose here is not just to construct you, but it's to confirm you. It's to speak to you that no matter where you are at, God has given you yourself a grace to build. And it's time that we just come back to the altar of God and lay it all back down because it's his goodness that leads to repentance and it's his grace and his graciousness that says let's go back and start building again. How can we help the city reconstruct the walls that they have destroyed if we ourselves are unwilling to go back and build up the walls that we destroyed? The city needs the church, not perfect, but at least willing to cry with them, to cry over them. Jesus stood up on a mountain and he said he looked over Jerusalem and he said he wept over the city. Are we willing to weep for a city before it's won? Because God's giving us a grace in this house to build. And it's to build people up. It's to confirm people. It's to embolden them. Because that's how you change culture. That's how you transform culture. It's not by preaching out on the corner. It's by raising up fathers, mothers, in the house that will teach the children how to worship the king. Not through false worship, but taking your children back to the walls that you destroyed and saying, look what God has done. Because that's how you change everything. Stand with me today.